Thanks, Evie. I do like the fact that my daughter is serving in the kingdom, my three daughters are serving in the kingdom, and she can bring that uh, pulpit out. Well, what a great morning. It's a bit echoey. Is that weird? Okay, well, we'll deal with the echo. Um, so this is the very last church service for 2019. Can you believe it? Isn't that incredible? Um, I, I've had the privilege to uh, give the, the very last service um, in a year, a couple of times before, and I, I just consider it such a great honour to be here and to, to cap off what a, a fantastic year it's been for us in Strong Nation Churches. And obviously, um, we've been looking at the, the theme greater for this whole year, and I don't know about you, but I have really found it, it's such an inspiring and, and incredible, uh, I've experienced incredible growth in God through this year, through that theme. Um, this is about my 27th year here at Hawkesbury Church, I think that's right, 27th year, and um, even after that length of time, I'm still finding that God is doing incredible things and working in me, changing me, moulding me, shaping me, and I hope every single one of you have experienced the same. I hope that you have grabbed hold of the building blocks that God has been giving you in each service that you've sat through and you've listened to. We've had such an incredible array of messages around this theme of greater. It's been absolutely brilliant. We've had a pretty good year in Strong Nation churches as well, I reckon. Um, we had greater conference, so the first greater conference. We've moved on from the movement conference and uh, it was a fantastic time um, that we had there. Um, but one thing I, I really want to highlight that I think has kind of gone a little bit under the radar um, that we did this year that I think is going to have quite a significant impact on our churches and that is we released a magazine, really? Wonder Magazine. <laughs> I don't know how many of you know that but we, we released this magazine at the Wonder Conference and I, I didn't have any part of it. Claire had quite a a role in, in putting it together and, and writing some things and a whole bunch of other people did as well. But it, it has had such an incredible impact, not only on our churches, but it is starting to go out to the broader ACC community as well. I don't know, how many have you sent out now? And we've, we've, Yeah, we've been sending out a few to other churches and Naomi's... Yeah, to other churches. 50. Lots. And uh, so it's starting to, to go, you know, and everyone who, or all the, the feedback that we've had from it is that this is an incredible resource. We've done that, church. You know, that's something that Strong Nation Churches has done. It's been a, a, an absolutely brilliant thing this year. And I, we're going to um, be releasing two more issues next year. It'll come out twice a year and then as we go. So uh, I think that's been pretty, pretty amazing. Another thing that... Um, being part of the board here, uh, you know, we see all the finances and so on. Um, our giving has never been better than it is this year in the entire time I've been on the board and probably for as long as we can remember. You know, and that is a real sign that we have a church full of people who are so committed to the vision, who are so on board with what God is trying to do and wanting to do um, to extend his kingdom in the Hawkesbury, in Penrith, in the mountains and over in Cambodia. Isn't that so cool that we can say we've got churches in another country? I think that's just amazing. Anyway, before I keep going, let's pray. I've reminded myself. Father, we thank you 
for your incredible love. We thank you for what you are doing in us and through us. And Lord, we do pray that uh, you will help us to grab everything that you have wanted us to grab this year. Lord, that you'll uh, help us to, um, to implement and to, uh, to see the growth in our lives to become more Christ-like, to become more uh, a part of what you are doing. In your wonderful name, Jesus, and I pray that your words will be spoken this morning, not mine. Amen. Technology, don't you love it? Okay, I'm going to have a look at Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. This is a, a passage that I'm sure we've heard a number of times in these messages uh, over this year. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them um, all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, this is a vision, and God is trying to, to teach Ezekiel something, and I love Ezekiel's answer here. It is the biggest cop-out answer that you could ever want. So I answered, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> you know, he's, he's there, and it's like, they're dead, they're dry bones. It can't happen. But you're God, well, you can do anything. So, God, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So much of what God does in our lives is so that we know that He is Lord, that He is the greatest authority in this universe. So, I prophesied and I was commanded as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed as I looked the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath thus says the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Now this concept of an exceedingly great army, I believe, and we have been, you know, kind of focusing on this a little bit this year, that God wants us all to be part of his exceedingly great army. That all that he's been doing in us this year has been building us and equipping us so that we can take our place, each one of us, in that exceedingly great army. That none of us would be sitting there bystanders watching the army go by and watching the army go into battle, but we would take our place amongst the ranks and file of what God is doing. So what does this exceedingly great army look like? Perhaps it's a bit of a throwback to my ancestry. There's Vikings in there somewhere you go far enough. I love movies, books depicting war and battle and with images of exceedingly great armies. I love the TV series Vikings. Any Vikings fans here? Yeah, a few. I don't recommend it for the faint-hearted because it's pretty realistic and, and pretty graphic in its battle scenes. Um, I won't go much more into that. I, I was going to use some video footage but um, I was reminded that uh, this morning the kids are in the service. 
So um, we'll just stick with some pictures a, a little bit later, but nothing too gruesome. Um, but I, I love, you know, the, the, the concept of the Vikings when they went into battle. This, they were a fearsome and exceedingly great army. Yeah, and they would go into battle with no fear. You know, there's, there's a comment in one of the early episodes in Vikings where one of the English soldiers says, how do we fight against that? They have no fear. You know, these, these, you know, they were pretty solidly built and they just went in and they didn't care whether they lived or died. They didn't care whether they got hurt or anything like that. They just went in and, I don't know, there's something about that that I find just really um, emotive. Movies like Saving Private Ryan. If you've seen that, there's uh, the, the um, uh, images of the, the invasion in Normandy and the D-Day landing. Again, picture of an exceedingly great army. You see the, the might of the US military landing on that beach and soldier after soldier uh, running onto the beach. Again, fairly gruesome, but, um, you know, that idea of an exceedingly great army. Even the movie The Light Horseman. I love that, where the, the Aussies, you know, on horseback, they're, they're charging across the plains into Beersheba, and they, uh, they took that city, a, a, an incredibly strategical, pivotal um, part of, of the war, um, you know, that they were able to win that city, and they just ran on horseback, and they, they ran so fast that the Turks just couldn't get their guns down in time, and they were able to, uh, to overwhelm um, what shouldn't have been able to, or shouldn't have been overwhelmed. Movie uh, Enemy at the Gates, um, it's a, a movie about a Russian sniper called Vasily Zaitsev, and uh, right at the start there, um, you see the, 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 uh, or some depictions of the Battle of Stalingrad, again, with exceedingly great armies fighting against each other. Of course, you can't go past the historical movies as well, like Braveheart. You know, and we've all seen that scene of uh, William Wallace out the front of all those Scots. You know, they shall never take our freedom. Can you imagine facing against that kind of army? Exceedingly great. And Gladiator. Early on in that movie, you see the, uh, the Roman soldiers lined up, all ready to, to try and conquer the Gauls. And uh, again, there's, there's that uh, image of the exceedingly great army. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some fantasy and science fiction. We went to see the latest Star Wars yesterday, and oh, it was so good. <laughs> Loved every bit of it. But there's often, in, in all the Star Wars movies, you see these you know, exceedingly great armies where there's countless ships or troops or, or whatever. Um, and, of course, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, exceedingly great armies. There's lots of them there. Since I've known Rick, uh, Rick and Naomi, um, I've heard him speak about this concept of raising an exceedingly great army for God. I think it was something that God really put on his heart when he was a youth pastor and it's just, it resonates within him, and, and everything in him wants to see that exceedingly great army raised up for God. And as I said earlier, this year we really believe that that's exactly what God has been doing in our lives. He has been building us into this exceedingly great army. And whenever I think of exceedingly great army, I just cannot get those images out of my mind. So let's have a look at them. Can, we, can I get those pictures up? So here's the, the D-Day invasion in Saving Private Ryan. That's a pretty good army. There's lots of troops. Next one, William Wallace. Well, that's from the Scots side, looking at the, uh, the English tyrants. Next one, 
and that's the scene in Gladiator with all the, the Roman soldiers. I think their armour looks fantastic, doesn't it? They, you know, they, they just look oh, amazing. <laughs> Next one. And here's the, uh, the First Order in Star Wars. Lots of troops. The Gungan army. Who loves the Gungans? <laughs> Come on. All right, next one. And Lord of the Rings. So let's just leave it there for, for now. That, to me, is an exceedingly great army. You know, there, there are large numbers. There's impressive armor. There's a great away, array of weaponry. Um, it's powerful by its sheer size and strength in numbers, as well as its technical and tactical superiority. Surely this is what God's talking about when he's talking about an exceedingly great army, yeah? You know, that we would see this place completely filled with people who were ready to go out and storm the, uh, the kingdom of darkness. The thing is, early on this year, God reminded me about a story in the Bible where he talks about an exceedingly great army that looks nothing like this. Let's have a look at Judges 7. Can we get... Yep, there we are. This is the story of Gideon. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, we've got to actually think and, and set the context here. Right now, Gideon's there, and he's got about 32,000 men. So that's an exceedingly great army. Well, it's a great army anyway, because... Over on the other side, we've got the Midianites, and they've got around 130,000 men. Exceedingly great army, great army. And God's here saying, Gideon, you've got too many. Now, right here, Gideon, I think in his mind, there's a lot of you know, stuff that I think isn't written in the Bible, but I reckon is going on in, in this, in this uh, dialogue. Gideon's going, hang on, at the moment, we're four to one, roughly. I think we've got a pretty good chance because you're with us, but we're four to one. And you're saying we've got too many? Hang on, isn't it the Midianites that have got too many? No, you've got too All right, all right, God, you know best. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So now we're talking about around 13 to one. 13 soldiers on the Midian, Midianites to every one with Gideon. And again, I'm thinking, Gideon's going, God, what on earth are you doing? You know, 10,000? Okay, well, look, you're with us, so I'm still okay. You know, 13 to 1, it's, it's a bit, the odds aren't quite as good, but, you know, you're with us, so. And then, Lord, and then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. What? <laughs> 10,000? 130-odd thousand? And we've got too many? No, God, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with this picture. You are not creating an exceedingly great army like I've seen in the movies. <laughs> All right, then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same will go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, 
I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their, hand, their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. I'm thinking Gideon's going, what on earth? You know, when we think about this, Gideon was dragged into this position in the first place. You know, God found him in a wine press. He was hiding. He didn't want any part of this battle. And God had to coax him into saying, no, Gideon, you're a mighty man. You are a mighty leader. Gideon's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Well, I'll give you 32,000 men. Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll give it a go. Now he's down to 300. And I'm thinking, Gideon is going, what on earth are you doing? Just, just take a look at something. So the two types of people when they went down to drink, there were the ones who got down on their hands and knees and lapped like a dog. That's a pretty vulnerable position, isn't it? You know, if someone comes up to attack, or the others who got down on one knee, hand on their sword, and lapped from the water, looking around. So the 300 men were the ones who were prepared. They were the ones who really were ready for the battle. And I reckon that God has been creating in us, or making us those people, the, the ones who are ready for battle. So now Gideon's left with those 300, the 300 who are his mighty men. The very next verse, or next couple of verses, I think is really cool as well. Um, in verse 9, it says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Oh, but by the way, if you're afraid to go down, then go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened uh, uh, to go against the camp. <laughs> if you're afraid? As if that's even a thing. If you're afraid. I think God, uh, Gideon is absolutely packing it at this time. But he does what God says. He follows his word. He goes down with Pura, his servant, and the rest is history. Or is it? So what happens here? God reduces 32,000 men down to 300. Surely what his intention was, so they were, they were men that were ready, but he was going to equip them with all sorts of weapons and things like that, wasn't he? He was going to give them miniguns and las cannons, lightsabers maybe, and all the greatest armor, and they were going to go down and they were going to smite the Midianites, 130,000 against all that kind of armor and weaponry. That's no problem at all. No problem whatsoever. But in verse 19, let's have a look at the weapons that he did actually get them to use in, uh, in their battle. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. And they held torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 300 men against 130-odd thousand, and all they had were trumpets, pitchers, clay pitchers, and torches. And yet they, got, they won the mighty victory. The Midianites were given into their hand. So what I get from all of this is that God's greater actually often looks nothing like what my version 
of the greater looks like. God's exceedingly great army doesn't really resemble often what I think it should resemble. And I think we've seen this painted for us in such an incredible way this year. Because I really believe that I'm standing before not just our church here, but Strong Nation Mountains and Penrith. And we are filled with people who are so committed, who are so determined, who are so dedicated to the vision and ready to do whatever God has called them to do. And I feel like that is more so now than it ever has been in the entire time that I've been involved in this church or these churches. And I'm, I'm really excited by that. I can't wait to see what God is going to do next year when he has created such a foundation and such a platform in us and through us. Anything's possible next year. Anything at all. I've learned this year that, yeah, God's greater. And it really rarely looks like what I think it should look like. And we've experienced that in our lives as well. But the thing about God's greater is that he's always exceedingly better than we can ever imagine. So what does God's exceedingly great army look like? What are the people in it? What do the soldiers look like? They look like people who listen to his voice and obey. They look like people who are constantly seeking his face and asking him what he wants, us to, wants, to, wants them to do in whatever situation they find themselves in. And not only do they listen to that voice, but they actually obey. And I've got to say, I reckon, you know, the, the whole concept of, of doing that in the context of discipleship is so much more powerful than trying to do it on your own. When you've heard from the, 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 or heard the word of God, you've heard God speak to you, and you take it to the person or people that you are walking this journey with, and you say, this is what God is saying to me. Keep me accountable to it. Help me to make sure that I follow through. I think that's so much more powerful than just trying to do it on your own. When we try and do it on our own and isolate ourselves, then the devil, he, he can so easily have his way with us and so easily um, get us off track. So the people in, in God's exceedingly great army are those who rely on him wholly and not on their own strength. They use what is in their hand for his purpose and what he has called them to. They're people who are not waiting for God to do certain things so that they can then get moving. They just go, well, God, this is, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I have. Use me. They're those who seek first the kingdom of God in everything that they do. They are those who are all in and know that God is with them wherever they go. Those who seek justice in all things, that love mercy and walk humbly with their God every step of the way. You know what? The exceedingly great soldiers in God's exceedingly great army, I reckon they look like you and they look like me. And, and it's something that I just want to be part of every, every single day of my life. It's funny, um, I was expecting, oh, I thought Adam uh, and Rachel might have been here this morning. He messaged me before the service. So I have used a, uh, a verse from Corinthians and I was a little bit worried about it. But as soon as he told me he wasn't going to be here, I said, oh, awesome. I can use it without, without any problem. He did remind me that he would feel tremors in the force, though, if, uh, you know, if I took it out of context. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 30. I'm going to read this out in two versions, the New King James first and then the Passion Translation. 
Um, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. This is the thing. God wants us to know that it is through his strength that we do whatever we do, not our own. And that when we rely on his strength, anything's possible. You know, all things are possible to those who are in Christ Jesus, who rely upon his strength. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But let's wrap it around and, and look at the Passion Translation of that as well. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the situations I've faced in this, in this life, I've felt puny and powerless. But God has always been there to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent so there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. Love it. What great battles may we fight in 2020? What great battles have we fought? A few years ago, and I've, I've spoken about this in messages before, but, you know, when I was made redundant in 2015, was it? Somewhere around there. You know, for me, that was a Gideon moment. I'm there, I'm going along, I'm thinking, this is awesome, I've got the greatest job. And then all of a sudden, so I've got 32,000 soldiers, and then all of a sudden God went, no, nah, <laughs> you don't need that. You need 300. And I'm standing there going, God, what on earth are you doing? And very soon after that, again, my brain goes, right, God, your greater looks like me getting another job straight away that's heaps better, pays me more, closer to home, all those sorts of things. But it took seven months. Seven months before I actually got that next job that was indeed greater. But it really didn't, that process really didn't look like my greater, my version of greater. And in that time... You know, God did some incredible work in my life. He grew me, built me, helped me become stronger, helped me become more of a soldier in his greater army. So, in 2020, what are the things that God is leading you into that will be a stretch? Because God's greater doesn't always look like amazing things suddenly coming out of nowhere. God's greater certainly doesn't look like winning the lottery and uh, all of a sudden landing $50 million. That might be my version of uh, God's greater. You know, you're in a financial stretch and immediately you think, God, I just need a lot of money right now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if that always happened? But God allows us to grow through the stretch. So many times he has stretched us in one way, shape or form and it is really been that process of growing what leap of faith will god or does god have for you in 2020 
that he wants you to learn and grow through or that he has been building you this year, building you into the greater. See, the the process of, of entering into God's greater is much more about our character and who we are be- becoming than our circumstances. God isn't worried about the, uh, the hordes, the massive armies that, are, that you're facing. He doesn't care about the 132,000 Midianites that are standing there, you know, ready to knock your head off. Because he knows the way to develop you into such a place where you can, you can counter that 130-odd thousand and not even blink. That you can defeat a foe like that just as the Vikings would, fearless, knowing that God is behind you and with you every step of the way. It's more about the journey than the destination. It's more about that hero's journey that we go on so that as we develop and as we grow, that we have got something to then teach and provide to the next generations. See, this life, it's not all about us. It's all about the people that we do the journey with. It's all about the lives that we can impact along the way. It's all about the the people that we can help because of the circumstances that we have faced in our lives. And because we have stood rock solid, just like Lance, you know, he's had so many experiences throughout the years where God has come through for them. And so he's able to have those conversations with people who don't know God and to say, well, this is what God does. He's gone through all of those those challenges, those, those valleys, those mountaintop experiences, and God's been with him every step of the way. And I'm sure every single one of us would be able to say the same in some way. It's more about his word than what we feel, touch, and see. Just getting one word from God. For me, that's enough to be, lying, to be kneeling down with my hand on my sword and being ready. Just that one word, one word from God. And I'm ready to go. So I might get the band to come back up if I can. And I'm going to read from Romans, Romaned, as I've written it in here, chapter 5, 1 to 5. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. I love the Amplified Bible, not just because it's loud, but I think sometimes there are some verses that it just gives a real, you know, real flesh to. So in this, um, I'm going to start at uh, verse 2. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God the manifestation of his excellence and power. Let us rejoice in our hope and confidence, confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. If we can live every day through whatever circumstance we face with that in mind, with that sort of thinking, that regardless of what happens to us, we live with the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. That's where we live in the greater. That we, that we are part of his exceedingly great army. And people will look at, that, look at us and, and see us going through life with that kind of confidence. And they'll go, what, is, what on earth are you on? They'll ask those questions. 
And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships. That's a really easy verse to read, isn't it? And look, I think it's the sort of thing that as time goes by, the more and more we do that, the easier it actually becomes to rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble, it produces patient endurance. And endurance produces proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So I would encourage you at this time of the year, the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, it's a great time to reflect back. Spend some time over the coming days just thinking about what God has done. How has he produced patient endurance in your life? How has he increased your your character, your spiritual maturity? How has he, and through that, how how has he increased your hope and confident assurance of salvation? Because such hope never disappoints us. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Throughout this year, as I've said a number of times, God's been laying an incredible foundation for us to walk and enter into his greater, to be those soldiers in his exceedingly great army. It doesn't look like the hordes of the Scots or the English or the Gungans. What it looks like is you and me focusing completely on him, getting words from him and following through with them and living a life that just says, Jesus, you are the center of everything I am and everything I do. I just lay my life down before you. You have every part of me and I am going to serve you every step of the way. What will 2020 bring for you? What sort of opportunities for you to walk in his greater will will come? Um, If you were here for James McPherson a couple of weeks ago, was it last week? I can't remember. You know, it's this time of the year, isn't it? Like, who knows what day it is? Um, one of the things he, he, he really preached on was, what things, what visions, what, what hopes, what dreams have you been holding on to for so long and you've been afraid to step out and actually just run with it and just go with it? What, what things have you actually, you know, that God has placed on your heart for so long ago and all you've got to do is go, God, you've put it on my heart, let's just go for it. Are there any of those sorts of things for you? There are a couple for me. And I thought, I'm going to take this opportunity to actually put them out there. And um, that way, you can all keep me accountable to them. Because while I've been hiding them, and you know, I've spoken to a few people about a, one of these at least, and um, once I put it out there, I have to do it. Because if I don't, then well. So, about eight, or almost two years ago now, God really started to put it on my heart to put together a podcast, um, a fortnightly podcast on leadership and things like that. And so I'm going to be launching that sometime early in January. And that really scares me to say it to all of you. You know, I've, I've spoken to Nathan. Claire knows I've been going on about this for ages and a few other people. 
Um, but now that I've put it out there, I've kind of got to do it. And I've been, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's never been the right time. But if I'm really thinking about being in God's greater, and if I really feel that that's something that God has put on my heart to do, then I better do it. So I'm putting it out there. In January, look out for it. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll get an invite soon. It's called A Leader's Toolkit. And um, it's scary, but it'll be a bit of fun. And the next one, I'm going to put it out there as well. And um, I haven't told Claire I'm going to do this. (laughs) But we've been talking about for so long that we really feel that we'd really like to move to a different house. And... um, you know, for a variety of reasons, our, our girls will, will say, um, they, the, you know, Bella and Darcy, they're sharing a room at the moment. They'd love to have a separate room. But we want to we have a house that is so conducive to oikos and to family and to, um, you know, extended family and to all that we're doing. We want to fill it with people, not just people from our church, but people who aren't saved, people who, you know, are our frontiers. We want a place that is thriving and you know, and somewhere, and we, we have felt this stirring to do something about this. Well, 2020, let's do it. We've put it out there now. <laughs> We've been talking about it for so long. What is it that God has put on your heart that he wants you to just get moving with? So why don't we just, if, if you can all stand with me. I'd like to finish with a real praise song, but before we do, let's just spend a bit of time briefly in God's presence. And I'm going to ask him that he would put on your heart some inkling of what he has for you in 2020. That he will bring bring back a um, you know restirring of a of a passion if it's a vision that you know he's put on your heart for a long time ago. So let's pray. Father. You have called every single one of us to be part of your exceedingly great army. And you have been equipping us this year to do just that. You have been equipping us to walk in your greater. And that doesn't always, we know, look like what we think it should. That doesn't always look like lots of money, you know, everything working out fine and and so on. Lord, I pray first of all that you would help every, every single one of us to see what you have been doing in our lives this year to see the foundations that you've been laying. And next, Lord, I pray right now that you would start to give us an idea of what you have in store for us in 2020. Help us to see what it is that you want us to do, what part of this army that you want us to play. Help us to see what you've got in store for us, even if it's just a glimpse. And Lord, if there's been some passion, some visions, some, some desires, some things that have been on our hearts for, for such a long time. Help us to know that they are from you. And that if they are from you, then all we've got to do is just run with it. Get that word from you and to go with it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that 2020 will be an absolutely amazing year for all of us as we seek your face as we settle before you and say, God, we are all in. There is nothing left of us. It is all Christ and none of us. Father, I pray that you stir every one of our hearts 
Help us walk forward into 2020 as part of your exceedingly great army. Jesus, you are awesome. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. How good is God? Are you excited for 2020? Are you excited to see what God is going to do? I am. I think uh, not just in our lives as individuals, but in our churches, we are going to see incredible things happen. They may not always be the way we think they should, but uh, we're going to see incredible things happen. So why don't we go out on a praise song before Lance comes up, and uh, once we've sung, or do you want to do the announcements first? Why don't you do that first, and then we'll go out on the song? That would probably be work better.